Is this not as monumental to you as it is to me? The other day I had an open banana. I don't eat full bananas. I cut them in half. It drives my mama nuts. But I had an open banana just in the little bowl. And where the hell do fruit flies come from? Let me explain this. I'm 100% with you. Do they just, yeah, do they come out of the, like, what's going on? Where are they coming from? I agree. How did they get to the ninth floor? I have no (laughs) idea. That's what I was saying. Like, I leave an open banana. I haven't seen a fruit fly in over six months. Let's just say that. All of a sudden, I leave an open banana out for five hours, and there's fruit flies that have just appeared from midair everywhere. I'm on the ninth floor. How'd you get here? Like, what's going on? I actually, I 100% agree with that. Like that little apartment, if the, all the windows are closed, like where are they coming from? Or do they like constantly like live in the vents and stuff? They're in the building with the garbage and then they just like smell something somewhere else and they're like, I'm out of here. They're messing with us. One thing is that the fruit flies are geniuses and they're just messing with our heads. Number two, once we open a fruit and it's been there for too long, Maybe we just start seeing shit. <laughs> what do you think about that? That's a hot take. Because people do like the lemon cup. The fruit flies like go in there and die, right? Yeah. What if that's all a figure of our imagination? Because I don't and see how see these things fake? are just appearing out of midair. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't. I've never even thought about it. That hurts my head. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to episode six of the Quarter Life Crisis podcast. I'm your host, JB, here with co-host Rig. Back at it. And today, we've got an absolutely huge episode for you guys. And I mean that literally and figuratively, because we've got an actually colossal human being that's going to be our guest on the show today. And I can't wait to hear his story. He's got a very unique story, totally different, off the beaten path. And I can't wait to dig in and ask him a bunch of questions about it. Guys, stay tuned. Episode six. Standing in front of us today at six foot five inches tall with shoulders that are apparently six foot five inches wide as well. A pro NFLer for the San Francisco 49ers that has played in games against the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team. A fifth pick in the 2018 CFL draft named most outstanding rookie with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a Vanier Cup winner with UBC, an actor, a musician, a model, a foodie. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the D Shep. The old shepherd's pie, the Dax Shepherd, the Dakota Cakes, Dakota Shepley. D, what is going on today, brother? What's up, boys? That was, that was a good intro, man. He did some research. The foodie one is, I think, is my favorite. <laughs> all right, all right. Are any of those nicknames actually yours, or did he just shoot from the hip there? Uh, yeah, no, I don't want to call me any of those. <laughs> shepherd's pie, maybe once or twice. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. <laughs> I love it. We're going to make them work. Yeah. It's like a crazy snowstorm here. I'm in Dallas. Like it was negative 15 this morning with wind chill too. And like none of them are prepared for like the winter. There's no plows or snow or salt trucks. The roads are terrible. No one like winterized their pools or anything. So they're in like all their pumps are like freezing and cracking. My trainer canceled this morning because his fuel lines froze in his truck. Oh my God. It's just like a complete shit show. They were at least blowing the snow off their driveway. 
where I'm at. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I'm literally at the gym right now. Everyone who's anyone in the bodybuilding world comes and trains here. It's kind of funny that I train here, but Fuad Abiyad is a god here. I see that guy walk out of his house every day, and I swear to God, I just shit my pants. He's huge, dude. Yeah, like I had no idea how big he actually was until, well, but like I didn't know how famous like or well-known he was. You know what I mean? Yeah, neither did I until I came out here, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways... All right, uh, we're just going to hit you here with a quick uh, a quick hot five questions just to get a little feel for you here, okay? Nashville hot chicken or fish tacos? Uh, it really depends where the fish tacos are from, <laughs> but Nashville hot chicken. Zach Efron yeah. or Chris Hemsworth? Yeah. Zach Efron, High School Musical. <laughs> you know, he's the OG. He's the OG. <laughs> Joggers or skinny jeans? Joggers right now. Lulu or Patagonia? Lulu. Cheeto fingers for life or a popcorn kernel in the back of your throat for life? Uh, popcorn kernel. Okay. Wow. How do you do, Jamie? Dakota, I'm not going to lie. You, you butchered that, dude. You got one for five there. What are you talking about <laughs> one for five? I'm just messing with you. Let's talk about Zach Efron over uh, Chris Hemsworth. You're, like, That's a big one. That is huge. I want to know about this. Yeah, well, I have two younger sisters, and they loved High School Musical growing up. I think just I always watched the high school musicals just because it was always on when my sister was around. I wanted to be like Zac Efron. He was a cool kid, school athlete, singer, whatever. And actually, now that I think about it, say it out loud, it's probably a lot more of an influence than I maybe thought. <laughs> but yeah, he was like he's like the, he's like the original cool guy of like my summer era. Yeah, we want to hit on that because I'm pretty sure your story is very similar to the high school musical story. Is that true? As I'm describing what kind of person Zac Efron is and the Troy Bolton, sorry, in the movies. It's like a lot of parallels. Oh yeah. High school stud athlete. And then you were also in the high school play, were you not? I did high school. I didn't really know what I want to do as far as sports. Like my last, you know, second half of grade 12 kind of really dialed in, but yeah, I was in all the school plays. That was for sure. <laughs> that is awesome. I knew, I knew I wanted to be in the school. Play. <laughs> that is awesome. Did you uh, ever have that moment, Dakota, where like you had to pick between the championship football game and opening night? No, but I do remember when we first started like off-season training in high school, like our coach was, Coach Mack was like trying to like instill like working out and lifting weights. And they had, do you remember Scott Doherty? Like big, huge dude. He was like older. He was five, probably five or six years older than you. He came and trained us. He pretty much like, banned me from the gym because I had missed the workout to go to play practice. Oh my God. That was like the closest I came to that. I remember he was like, are you kidding me? Like you couldn't believe that I would like skip lifting weights to go like the equivalent to him was being a ballerina. <laughs> That's kind of like the exact storyline. That is cool. And the more I think about it, the more similar it is. 100%. We're just jealous. Let's be honest here. But can I just say how much I feel like I don't belong in this room? Like, thank God we're on a Zoom call right now. Because if this was <laughs> a real live interview, I think I'd feel like the smallest human being in the world next to a six foot eight pro hockey player and a six foot yeah. five professional football player for the San Francisco 49ers. Like I, I had to bring some big, yeah. big energy coming in here to even, to even compare. Hunter already makes me feel small whenever I see him in person. <laughs> and uh, I can't imagine how you feel, JB. Hunter's, Hunter's a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you fit in that Jeep, dude. I thought I was going to get a gladiator. And thank God I test drove it. My head was hitting the ceiling. Like the seat didn't go down. I put the seat all the way back. Like my head, like I looked at the seat after I had finished driving it and like, through the window, 
like I was in the middle of the back window of the headrest. Yeah. I don't know how you fit in it. Like my knees it, it goes pretty far back. My knees hit the hinge. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's tough. And I know you're a huge yeah. car guy. And I've messaged you that before. Like when you're posting like Porsches and stuff, just like yeah. neither of us are ever fitting in one of those cars. Like, but yeah, I'm a huge car guy. I love cars. I fit in the cars though. Like if I like it, I'll make it work. But <laughs> I guess if I'm actually, if I'm going to actually spend money on it, I'd want to be comfortable. <laughs> like what a problem to have. Like D- Dakota, are you saying that you've, considered like living out of a van or out of a car or something like hunter did i just i just want i want a car i want a vehicle that i can take anywhere and not have to worry about if i can handle it and i want to be able to sleep in the car if i need to Mm. so i don't have to worry i don't want to have to worry about like stopping at a hotel so that's why i had a nice i found a sick gladiator the bed was had like a bed cover and it was lifted and had like side rocker panels it looked sweet but i didn't fit in it I don't want to drive like you know, 2000 kilometers across the country with my knee hitting the ship yeah. and my head hitting the ship. Like I just, I just couldn't do it. I don't want to live out of my car. I just want to be able to. Live oh yeah. Your storylines, you two actually run pretty parallel because I mean, you guys are both yeah. professional athletes. Hunts was, you guys both like have this kind of zest of like just going off the beaten path and, and doing kind of different stuff and just doing you and doing what you want to do. So it's kind of funny how you guys kind of line up like that. Well, I think yeah, the I thing that he touches on is that with, on. when you have everything with you, like as a like athlete, you're traveling so much. So like, if you just have that space where you can keep all your belongings together, it's just, it's convenient. That way, when you're traveling, drive from California back home to Ontario is crazy. So we're yeah. just not worrying about hotels and whatnot. I feel like as an athlete, you can go one of two ways. You can like want to go to like Miami and go to a club or go to Las Vegas. And like, I just want to like spend most of my time, my free time in California, like driving up and down the coast and like checking out different beaches, driving through the canyons, and trying to see what I could see as much as I could see when I was there. I, I just feel like if you can go one of two ways, like, you know, there's a bunch of different personalities in, in professional sports. And you meet a lot of guys through these different leagues, different teams that you know have similar interests and kind of in my mind from that like how you like to spend your free time it kind of falls into two groups there's like explorers and then there's guys that just want to spend money yeah (laughs) i did honestly i did not see that coming from you i didn't know you were you were that kind of guy like uh to explore different things like that drive down the coast of cali like me and doran anslin just did that last year yeah and we lived out of a van me and him now really both of us combined are the size of one of you two colossal human yeah. beings. So, <laughs> so yeah, but no, I yeah, love no, that stuff. Right before, right before I signed to San Francisco, right before I got the call, I had driven out. Like I had a buddy from Idaho who I trained with in Texas, drive from Texas and pick me up in Detroit in his truck. And we went from Detroit, we went to Chicago, Nashville, Kansas city, St. Louis, Denver, and down to Dallas. We ended up driving 63 hours <laughs> and I packed my bag for 10 days. And then I got a call from my agent saying, Hey, make a workout video for San Francisco. Like they want to see if you can move still. And so I, I sent them the video and then they flew me out and then they signed me after the workout. So Holy I had a, shit. I got 10 days with the clothes. That's I, oh I, I got signed San Fran off a of like a big long road trip because <laughs> we were just sitting like all the gyms were closed and you know how it was when everything closed down like you're just sitting inside like everyone's got to get in their own feelings I think I mean I just need to get out of here oh my god so you you sent them that video on the road no so the plan was to get picked up in Detroit all those stops and then finish in Dallas 
And then I was going to train in Dallas in the hopes that my agent was going to be working behind the scenes while I was training yeah. here. And that's exactly what happened. It was like, make a video right now, go do it. But <laughs> in a span of like two and a half weeks, it all turned around. Oh my God. So, that's yeah. amazing. So you started off as a hockey player early yeah. on in high school and football kind of became a thing as time went on from high school and sure. it kind of compiled yeah. after that, correct? Your your doctor told you to start playing football. He, he's the one that recommended that to you, correct? Yeah, I broke my hand in hockey and had to go see a surgeon, didn't need surgery and then he just ended up giving me a long talk about why I should play football. When did you start realizing that like a pro NFL career was in the midst. Like when was that a possibility to you? Was there a point in your life where you were just like, whoa, this, this could happen? It just seems like general, everything comes in waves and you just got to recognize what part of the wave you're in, you're in the ebb or the flow. It's something that, that I picked up on is like when I was in high school, I had people telling me, you know, you could really go somewhere playing football. You know, when I, when I committed to football after I broke my hand, this is in grade 11, I just got better at football grade 12 i had coaches come up to me and tell you know you get a scholarship you can play in the states fast forward whatever i'm at ubc and then the same thing starts happening towards the end of my time at ubc they're like you're gonna you're gonna be a first round pick cfl cfl draft pick i remember my my coach my strength coach at ubc telling me you have nfl size and ability and then that just put like nfl in my head so i'm like, okay if i have the size and ability then like i should be able to do it and so it just went away to just like sucking, like not doing good and like having people express their confidence in me and like my potential. And then me just like putting it in my head, like, hey, if I think that, then I can probably do it. I'm kind of there right now in the NFL. Like I felt like I sucked this year. Every week I was like, is this the week that they tell me to bring in my, my playbook and like get rid of me? No way. Just because, well, it's tough as a practice squad player because you don't get as much attention paid to you because, you know, they're, they're focused on winning games and improving their they're starting O-line. I, and I understand that. So you kind of have to have to pry for some feedback and focus on yourself and, and, and ask, you know, maybe what's one thing I can improve on this week? An O-line assistant, because you don't really want to bug, you know, the head O-line coach yes. who's focusing on his O-line. Every week is like focus on one thing that you know, maybe they told you through the week and like try and get better. What they tell you is just get 1% better. If you're, if you're getting better, then you're doing your job. Every week last year was this week. <laughs> and then it comes to the end of the season and they're like hey we're going to resign you we really love what you did for us this year you know we want you to be a part of the team next year and we want you to have a role in the team next year so just you know hearing that it's like okay i know where i'm at in the cycle i kind of dude what i what i basically yeah. took from that was you basically look at your career as like a stock it's like the smp 500 oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean in the long term it's going up but you're going to have huge dips yeah. in the way there's going to be recessions along the way but you've just looked at it and it just kind of keeps trending upward right yeah i've never really uh, thought of it as a stock i just i've realized like it's kind of like a mental space you get into, you know, everyone's their toughest critic, their own toughest critic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You get down on yourself. Like, am I doing the right things? You know, am I doing well? Am I getting better? And then get like a boost of confidence from someone. Oh yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. It's like basically when you're, you're good at something. Sure. For, for instance, you, you're a good football player. There's no doubt about it. You wouldn't be where you're at if you weren't. You having that self-doubt and saying like, do I deserve to be here? Am I really that good? Those thoughts is called imposter syndrome and everyone has it. It's like been studied that literally everyone has yeah. imposter syndrome to a certain extent and doesn't believe they should be there. Like, but I was listening to a Shawn Mendes documentary and he's like, all the time, I do not think I believe to be on stage in front of all these people. Like, I don't think I'm good enough. Wow. Yeah. So like, it's dude, it's completely normal. Yeah. I've never heard of that before, but I'm going to look into it. That stuff like really interests me. Mm -hmm. 
the power of the mind. Oh yeah. The mind body connection. Yeah. I'm all about it. It's interesting you say that because I think the power of the mind, just like your whole story is just how you kind of controlled the narrative the whole time. And where I'm getting to yeah. with this is I knew you were with the Jets and you were on yeah. the practice squad and you were trying to make it work. And then you got picked so high in the CFL. I, you just came off the Vanier Cup. Okay, this guy is going to be a stud CFL O-lineman. In my head, I'm. is it better to be a stud in the CFL than to be on the practice squad in the NFL? But if the NFL is a goal, like you weren't even thinking about the CFL at that point. Yeah, I definitely wasn't thinking of the CFL because I was in camp with the, with the Jets when I got drafted in the CFL. Like I missed the call. Like I was in the shower after like a long camp day and had a message, voicemail. The call is back. You just got drafted by us. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely wasn't like, top of my mind because I just you know, I had to focus on where I was at the time. It's it's really cool to be like in Saskatchewan. It was really cool because everyone cares about you. You're in a small town in a city of Regina. You're in, everyone knows who you are. You walk in like at a restaurant and everyone you know, has got eyes on you. So that's cool. But you know, if you talk about a money standpoint, obviously you're going to make more in the NFL and there's more, I feel like there's more growth potential as far you know, financially and maybe as an athlete too because you're playing against some of the best guys, the best football players in the world. That's what attracts me to the NFL is like driving factor in my career is filling my potential. I've, I've been told a lot in my sports career that I have a lot of potential. I have a really high ceiling, no ceiling, whatever. And I kind of really always hated that because it just meant that I wasn't, there was more to do. And I felt like I was, I was here, but it turns out I could be right here. And so I really hate hearing that I have potential, potential. So all right, I'm going to fill in my potential. I'm going to aim for the top and, and I won't stop until people tell me that. I think you've proved that because you ended up going back to the CFL for a year and you won most outstanding rookie. After that, obviously COVID happened. The San Francisco opportunity came up. You were on the practice squad all year. When it came to the nitty gritty, you were there and you were running out on the field uh, yeah. those final few games of the season. You had it in you and you still have more in you. Like when I look at you, I see pitchers, you're shredded. You're another level than you were two years ago, man. Like it's, it's crazy. Sure. It's, it's exciting to see. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, you know, kind of get pretty deep after talking about high school musical, but <laughs> uh, here and it's just so weird how everything has worked out during the covid lockdowns and everything and when I, well, I was in vancouver january february and then i came back but as soon as i came back it was like shut down everything except walmart i started feeling depressed dude i'm like i'm not gonna have a job like football is gonna be canceled for like indefinitely i'm like i didn't finish school like i didn't get my degree I didn't, I'm not going to be able to do anything. That's why I was, I kind of made like a panic podcast idea. I was telling you about earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have to just like make some kind of money, like doing something. And then uh, a friend of mine, she, she recommended a book about the law of attraction. And this is going to sound crazy. Dude. <laughs> Let's hear this. You know, I feel like so sad all the time. Like, I don't know what my future is going to look like. And that's really affecting my, my, she's like write down 20 things that you're thankful for every day just do it trust me like write a list every single day of things you're thankful for and that sounded ridiculous she never really explained to me why until she recommended this book it's called the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read so it lines up a bunch of different techniques and how to manifest shit i read it and i, I got the audiobook so i could take notes while i was listening finish like the first two chapters and the first time you know playing it i knew i was going to get pizza the next day because i was craving it I just kind of facetiously after reading the you know, first two chapters, I was like, I'm really out, out loud in my, in my garage. I was like, no, I'm really thankful for the pizza I'm getting tomorrow. Like, 
thank you for the pizza. Like I was just being, kind of being an idiot. Fast forward to the next day, I ordered pizza, I drive down to go pick it up and the guy just hands it to me. And he's like, don't worry about it. Like you get the next one, it's on me. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. Like it was like free pizza. And no whether or not it's a coincidence, I was like, okay, something's gotta be working. I'm like, okay, this, this shit works. I don't care, you know, if it sounds like it's voodoo or whatever, it's all in my head. And everything since then, I've just written down like things I'm thankful for in the future. Someone asked me on the road trip that I had told you about. Yeah. They're like, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? I said Sausalito. And Sausalito is the city across the Right. Yeah. That <laughs> is one of my favorites. I can't believe you just brought that up. I was like, I'd live in Sausalito if I could live anywhere. Ten days after that, San Francisco called me. Oh my God. And, uh, and the thing is, like, I had three other teams. I had three teams total. Um, that wanted a workout video for me in San Francisco was the first one. And so I sent it off to them. And then I'm like so loyal to San Francisco, how faithful. The faithful is the name of the, so they call their fans. The faithful. Okay. I'm so faithful to San Francisco. I'm like, if anyone else wants to like pick me up on their active roster, I'm going to say no. Cause like, I just need to be in San Francisco because they, they call me after like a weird coincidence like that yeah you think san francisco is your sausalito i guess would be your favorite spot to live um i just i, I just remember going there on like a family vacation and here it was like 2012 my dad loved san francisco so he brought us there and and sausalito was just really cool you know they got brick roads there it's like really historic and and it's basically like north and west vancouver all like hills like mountainside Broad Big redwood trees. Houses. Yeah. And like weaving roads, like houses, there's hidden driveways off and down these roads. So I just thought it was sweet. Maybe my, my mind has changed that that's where I'd want to live if I could live anywhere. But yeah. at the time, that's where it was. And that's where I ended up. So, yeah, that actually kind of leaves little... me speechless, that story. Like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, like, you literally willed more... it into existence. Yeah. Like, I remember when I had first gotten to San Francisco, one of the big things when it comes to like manifestations, being thankful for things that you don't have yet you're going to have like being thankful for one of the one of the things that the book suggests is like being thankful for the new money coming into your life mm -hmm. the unexpected money uh no and no matter how big it is like if you find a penny on the ground you shouldn't be upset that it's not a million dollars you should be thankful that the universe is trying to get you what you want and i remember when i had first gotten to san francisco i didn't have a social security number so they couldn't pay so i didn't get paid for my first six weeks there so i didn't have money i could i didn't have a car so I would walk from the hotel to the stadium every morning. And this is at like 4.30 in the morning every day. Every day I would write these lit and, and people were like flabbergasted. They couldn't believe that I was playing for free, walking to work at, you know, wee hours of the morning. And they're like, you're crazy, dude. I'm like, honestly, I just embrace it. Like I listened to the book <laughs> while I'm walking. I hadn't gotten paid, whatever. And everyone's like, dude, I'll give you a ride in the morning. I'm like, it's fine. Like I actually kind of enjoy it. Oh, you're crazy. Dude. I don't know why you do that. Dude, dude, dude. <laughs> the next day, if someone just like completely ripped me apart for doing this, I walked outside to walk to work and I found 50 bucks on the ground. I guess I'm getting paid one way or another. <laughs> and, like, it's just like little stuff like that. Like, and then it got to the point where I was like, I found a penny on the ground right when I had parked. The next day I parked in the same spot and there was two pennies <laughs> right on the ground. The next day I opened my door and there was a dime on my seat. I think it was two weeks after that I got activated. So it's just like, I can't, I can't get it out of my head that shit works. That's unreal. That's how I feel about it.
I was just yesterday, I, I was given my three things of gratitude in the morning. I've been starting to do it ever since we got Mackenzie Siddle on the podcast. But I did my three things of gratitude and I was thankful for a donut. Now that you said the pizza thing, I was thankful for yeah. Lee's Donuts because I was ready to go to downtown Vancouver Lee's Donuts. I don't know if you've ever been. I was thankful for that I was going to get a donut that day. I go to get the donut and the girl in front of me starts talking to me. She buys me my donut. Yeah. Like shit like that. There are more stories. Like if I could sit here and, and think about, I've told a few people this and it's gotten to the point where I'm telling everybody, but I have I've been trying not to because mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like a dick or anything, but like 2020 was the best year of my life. Like it was, it sucked for a lot of people. Like everything went my way from the second I started like just expressing gratitude and being thankful for everything that i had you keep pushing that same narrative and you're gonna have big things coming like it's that was pretty profound story to hear i wanted you to keep rolling with that that was great getting back to it so your biggest acting role let's say for right now well from our point of view was obviously deadpool 2 and you portrayed omega red in deadpool 2 were you actively pursuing that or did did something happen where it kind of just stumbled upon you like what was going on just living in vancouver like there's a lot of opportunity to be in film like movies and commercials and so just like the first thing i ever did i was an extra in a hallmark movie that was football themed or it was a football hallmark movie i was just sitting in my locker room and and a crew came through like a production crew and they were taking photos of the locker room and everything and i was like it's from the movie and they're like yeah you want to be in it and that was just like a random become an extra moment once you become an extra you know they take your name and your stats height weight eye color hair color whatever and then they put you into this, this online database and then whenever they're filming something they'll just type in like what kind of person they're looking for if you pop up they'll give you an email and say are you up for it show up here and we'll see if you're down if you're the right fit for the part or whatever so from there i had gotten a, a part in a netflix movie game over man and i was like a body double easiest money I ever made like i just laid face down as a dead guy <laughs> for four days and ate muffins all day and uh, from there i got a call for this movie that was called caribbean blue i had to bus all the way to burnaby i went in for this costume fitting when i'm in the costume room i'm kind of being a little nosy and like in my head in other rooms there's like concept art for Deadpool. They wanted all the characters, the main characters, to look like, oh my gosh, it's Deadpool. Like, this is Deadpool. They took my photo and everything with me in the costume. Later that day, I got a call from the uh, casting director. I was like, hey, Dakota, like, we really like the way you look. We want to upgrade your role to a uh, like featured X, X-Men character that's going to be, it's kind of like a like a surprise person in the movie. Um, it's kind of a secret. It's kind of, she's like, it's kind of a big deal. Have you heard of who Omega Red is? And I'm like, not really. So I ended up Googling it. And obviously, it's like a pretty significant person. She's like, can you fly to LA tomorrow <laughs> for a live cast of your face, which is just a mold of your face that can do the prosthetic makeup without you actually being there? It was so random. Like, I just had no idea what was going on until really started filming and people were like you're Omega Red like I'm a comic book fan like you know kind of fast forward the first day I got back to Dallas here can I get a picture with you yeah man uh sure and they tagged me <laughs> on Instagram I thought it was like a football thing I'm wearing like San Francisco like shorts and shirt he's like Omega Red goes to my gym <laughs> like, no way <laughs> any chance if there's a spinoff of like an Omega Red movie or like he's like plays a bigger role if you're just going to come up in their database and they're going to be like you know this guy was actually pretty good just as an extra like let's just yeah, give dude, him a shot and see what happens i think i think i've been hearing rumblings my dad my dad has his ear to the ground anything that has to do with my name <laughs> 
he's like, dude, they're gonna they're talking about filming Deadpool three, and they're thinking Omega Red's gonna be in it. Like, you know, I can send you the link of people thinking it's gonna be you. Da, 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 da. And that got me thinking, like, man, if I really actually want to do that, I should contact like an actual agent. It's weird, so random, like I said. And like, you go Google you google omega red like i come up along with like this massive wikipedia page for like this character that is in these comics so like i'm like technically like i'm the guy right now like i'm i am him <laughs> which is so weird to think about like that is like, that is insane that's insane man. because i'm not gonna lie when you said if you google omega red we did google omega yeah. red you came up i, I was like yeah. okay how big is this character actually and then i started looking and he's actually a pretty big character in the x-men world he's like wolverine's like main nemesis it's pretty significant <laughs> you obviously met ryan reynolds how was working with ryan reynolds yeah it was cool when i had first gone like i had my hair a little bit longer and they had to cut it uh so i went in for a haircut when i went in i sat in between tj miller and ryan reynolds <laughs> like with no makeup on obviously and we kind of shot shit for like an hour and that was cool. But on set, when I had all the makeup on in between takes, one of the days, uh, Ryan came up to me and was, Hey man, I'm Ryan, by the way. And it's just funny because he'll never know that it was me that he was talking to getting his haircut and he'll never recognize me because when he did actually meet me and like introduce himself and we met each other, I had like eight pounds of yeah. makeup on. And he'll know, like, it's just, it was for nothing. <laughs> he will know in Deadpool 3 when you show up and you're in the trailer right now. Yeah, exactly. his, your trailer yeah, exactly. will be bigger than his. Exactly. <laughs> Dakota, you're an actor, you're, you know, you're a model, you're a musician. You, you kind of broke the high school mold. And whether you realize that or not, you did in all of our eyes because we were kind of like, okay, who is this big football player, starter for H&H High School, but he's also in the play. He's also ripping drums at home. You know what I mean? He's, he's got Killing this, the drums. Destroying it. And, uh, and he's got all this like art side to him, but at the same time, he's a, he's a football player. Like It just didn't fit the stereotypical high school mold, and you kind of broke through that. Did you feel like you fit in? Was it tough to go to that art side because you knew people were judging you? Because let's be honest, people probably were. I feel like I had so many pockets of friends in high school that I felt comfortable with yeah my best friend growing up i was i was in a band with he was in the choir so i'm like i'm gonna join the choir because sebastian's in the choir and then you know we're in the choir together so i had like this whole artsy friend group it's like we're gonna do the plays together and like we had a good time together and we hung out and then it's like okay and then i have all these sports friends and i had a lot of friends from playing hockey so i had a lot of friends coming into high school that i knew from playing hockey you know you play i played like one or two years of high school hockey just made friends that way so i was like cool in that circle and then I got good at football and I got, I earned respect and I made friends at football and, you know, Brad, you know, Brad Barry lives down the street from me. So I, I knew Brad and Brad knows everybody. So if I'm cool with Brad, then <laughs> yes, that is a true anybody, right? <laughs> the actual, the actual sheriff in town. So like, I felt comfortable wherever I was and, and I don't think anyone really judged me like maliciously over it because I had their respect and whatever, mm. whatever I was doing, you know, with them. Like if I was in, I remember like that summer, I told you, I just watched football and got better at football. I don't know if you remember Spencer Smith. Mm -hmm. Spencer Smith was like, dude, how'd you get so good at football? I'm like, I just watched. He's like, man, I wish I could just watch football. Again. <laughs> and then I ever since then, like Spencer's been my buddy. And it was, and not that, not that he didn't like me because I wasn't good at football, but I just remember the shift. I didn't feel any kind of pressure. Mm other than the one time I got reamed out for taking play over quickly. Yeah. And it seems to me you've got these like other side passions, like we'll call them side hustles if we want to call them. It's like you don't care what other people think. Like that's what you want to do. 
and you're doing it. Hey, I appreciate that. But I, I guess I, I always have this sense of like, what are people going to, like, I don't know what kind of vibe I put out. Like, am I, I, I don't identify as like an athlete. And I have a lot of people tell me like, you're not like a normal football player. And I'm like, I guess I'm not. And I don't really feel like I'm an, I'm like the athlete type, but you know, if you look at me, I'm working out in the gym and people, you know, I got freaking NFL gear on and stuff. People are like, well, it's a football player right there, but I just don't know what kind of vibe I put out. So maybe I've been, I have been in my life like self-conscious about that. I don't really know what people think of me. Like, I don't know if I go into a conversation, what they're going to think of me. I've always just looked up to you because of that. Because you've got these cool. different hobbies and interests, but you're still, you're actually good at football and you're still taking your time, do the things you love on the side. And, and yeah, I, lo- I love seeing it, to be honest. Yeah, man, that's, that's what's, uh, that's what's gotten me where I am now. I'm not going to change it up. And that's not to say I'm not a hundred percent committed to being a football player. That's my job. Mm-hmm. That's what I want my job to be. I just feel like I'm going to drive myself crazy if, if that's all I focus on 24-7. It's how I take my mind off things and like get away, like playing the drums or like playing the guitar. It's like, it's like, it's a good uh, like mental break for me. I even found like, a, I love doing yoga. Like I love stretching, like getting in this space and like focusing on my breath, like kind of taking my mind off things. So anything that that kind of calms me down because I feel like I do get in my head, just things like that, just to take my mind off of it. Yeah. First of all, you're preaching to the choir here. Like you're talking to two guys that rip yoga. I'm sure rig, you can vouch for this. And why don't you talk to them about the new hobby that we both picked up? We're both shredding the guitar too. (laughs) Oh really? Uh, We're not very, or JB's way better than me. I'm not that great. Uh, We know you kill it on the drum. So when you, it's all said and done with football and we got two good guitar players. So if you, and when you're done playing football and Sam's still playing music, if you guys want to form a little band, you got two more guitar players band. ready to go. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, dude. It. And you know what? We've actually been taking it pretty seriously, man. I'm not going to lie. Like this, good. this last year, dude, I I'm, t- I'm telling you every day off, I am either ripping yeah. guitar. I'm singing a shit ton now. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. I've been loving it, man. And this is shit that yeah, I never wanted guitar, to do. Yeah. Guitar. I, I always learn from watching as long as you just learn the shape and the, the notes and everything will come. We just want to ask, you mentioned you're in a QLC and I think there's a lot of people that are going to say you play in the NFL, where's yeah. the QLC, but we've heard it a bit from you kind of in the summer, uh, last summer. And then even this year, like yeah. everyone thinks you're in the NFL and everything's going great. You weren't even getting paid to be there. Yeah, and it's like I said that earlier, it comes in waves. I think that anyone who's in a, they call it a quarter-life crisis, I think you just need to recognize that, you know, your time's coming. And if you focus on something that, uh, you know, you're passionate about, and if you're really, truly passionate about it, and you believe that it, it's going to happen and work out for you, then, then I don't think there's any other option or possibility than it actually working out for you. I think it's just a matter of staying the course, staying committed to what, you know, you put your mind to, and I think you'll come out all right on the other side. That's, that's where I'm at, and that's where I've been in the past, making sure I just keep my head down and stay focused on, you know, what it is I set out to do, mm-hmm. my goals and everything. And we always talk about this, that almost 90% of our age people are going through yeah. where like, okay, do I want to do this? Is this really where I've wanted to be? Am I doing everything I can for other people? You know, am I reaching my potential? Mm-hmm. It's that confusion. What's making you feel like the wrath of a, of a QLC right now? Why? In the National Football League, but professional sports period, the uncertainty of having a job the next season, mm-hmm. you know, you could get traded get cut you could get there's so many variables and so many things that could happen to you that could affect your career and your future as an athlete so i think that that's something that's always on my mind is like 
what am I going to do if football isn't a thing anymore? With the CFL, I can't imagine the guys in the CFL, what they're going through mentally, you know, their season is just flat out canceled. Okay, they really had to scramble and figure out what they're going to do for work, what's going to occupy their time. So I think for me, it's just, it kind of keeps me on my toes. You got to think of other things that you're passionate about at the same time, being, you know, committing yourself fully to football. I think that's kind of where it, that, that QLC comes in. It's what if football is just canceled tomorrow, yeah. forever? What am I going to do? So that's something that's on my mind. Maybe not at the front of my mind, but mm-hmm. definitely at the top of the list. At the same time, that's motivating for me. It's like, hey, football isn't canceled, and I don't see the NFL getting canceled. So if you want this to be your job and this to be your livelihood, then you can't really think about what it yeah. is. You just be like, hey, just put your head down and commit to it. So it's uh it's like a daunting thought, but at the same time, it's motivating. So. Yeah. I love how you twisted that into just keep continuing to roll forward. That's huge for the audience because it just shows that anyone can experience a QLC. Whether you look at someone and you think their life is all roses, you know what? They're still going through their shit. They, they're still grinding. Like, like yeah. no one is just in this fairyland world. Like, everyone's kind of thinking about this. You got to consider the, the kind of person that's in the NFL, too. You talk about me, you talk about any player it's like uh, the vast majority of the league is in their 20 and i i don't know too many 20 something year olds that are just 100 percent certain about their lives maybe patrick Mahomes is <laughs> uh, even high paid nfl guys like that are still figuring out uh different avenues to you know have a source of income and make sure that they're set up after football is done and that's because it, it everyone knows it doesn't last forever uh I don't, I don't want you to stop thinking about football because I think you're still ascending after I don't see you backing down and just getting a desk job. Like that's not you at all. Where do you see yourself directed? Because I just saw you were in a legit roots modeling ad. That was not just like you tagging them in a picture, like uh, an actor that's making his way up as well. Pick back up the drums and move to Nashville and kill it. (laughs) I've always been intrigued with the idea of, you know, acting and being in movies because I just had so much fun when I was in high school plays. And I loved seeing how, how the business works when you're actually in a movie. And, you know, and I just think that that side of it could be really cool. Acting is a lot of fun. I don't know. I think that would be something I'd be interested in doing. I have a few friends who are out in L.A., you know, trying to pursue that dream. And music is a, is a long, hard road. It requires a lot of patience and uh, hard work. I feel like in acting, it's no doubt the same, but if you just have the look, if you have something that a director or casting head is looking for, you know, especially in commercials, if you just walk into an agency and they're casting for a commercial, they're looking for a guy with a beard, literally. JB and I were talking about that about you. You just have that Jason Momoa style look. Dude. You're six five. You can you can kill it with the short hair, the long hair. You can grow the beard out if you need to. You're such a like a versatile <laughs> role you could play. Roman yes. Reigns in the WWE. Oh yeah. That's the first thing George Kittle told me when I met him. <laughs> I was walking up on the plane behind him and turned around, looked forward, and kind of took a double take and was like, like Roman Reigns, you know who that is? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of do. He's like, yeah, you look just like him. <laughs> it was weird. It's weird. I know him. Dude, it, it is freaky how much more you're starting to look like Jason Momoa as time goes on. I haven't seen you in a while, dude. You look like yeah. fucking Jason Momoa, dude. Yeah, I, when I had the long hair and I told you about that road trip, when I was in Nashville, we went to this national park, this huge waterfall, and it was in the middle of nowhere. There were people taking pictures with me. 
and you could tell people like were getting in close because I had just like shorts on. I was wearing my boots because it was like sharp rocks, and I just had like my hair down. I looked like a cape, and I had a long beard at the time and like long hair. And people were like Aquaman, like you look like Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> cool, man. Like people were, you can tell people were like taking pictures with the waterfall, but like standing really weirdly close to me. And I was moving around, and people were like coming. <laughs> You know, wherever I went, they were going. Like when you, you, you talk about acting, you talk about football, do you notice that there's anything transferable between the two? When you were going in for your acting role or your modeling role, do you go in with the same, anything similar to the way you go into, let's say, a football game? Do you have the same routine? Do you have the same similar warm-up? Does some, is something going on in your head that's transferable between the two? Is it? I'm the kind of person, and I think that anyone should be if they want to be successful. It's like, if I'm going to do something, commit my time and energy, all this preparation to get it done, I'm going to do it fully. It's kind of how I've attacked everything that I've committed myself to, whether it be football, you know, you talk about acting or, you know, just that the roots thing, it just came up with an idea like, you know what, I'm in the NFL and I'm Canadian. There aren't, there aren't too many Canadians in the NFL. I'm going to really seek out these Canadian brands and see if they want to work with me. And I just, you know, I worked with my agency, did everything I could to make sure that at the end of the day, I had a partnership with at least one of these brands that I dreamt up. You know, Roots was the first one and Roots is the one I got. So like making the decision in your head that it's going to happen and you're going to do everything you can to make it happen. Mm. That's a big factor of being an offensive lineman. You need to get it done. Like you need to be a come through guy. People are counting on you. One way or another, it needs to happen. I wanted to hit this up before I let you go here, Dakota. You, you, we've talked a bunch about potential and how so many people have like come up to you and said, okay, you, dude, you've got the size. You've got the potential. I think you can do it. But do you ever think there's going to be a moment where somebody says, oh, dude, you did it. You can kick up your legs and you can relax for the rest of your life. For me, I'm starting to realize that that moment doesn't exist. I think you and I kind of think the same way about it. I had seen a quote not too long ago though, that was like, if you're always waiting for the moment, you'll never realize that you were in the moment. That's That kind of comes with, you know, the law of attraction and living in the present, being appreciative for everything you have right now. I saw another thing, everything in the past and everything in the future is hypothetical or it's a memory or it's, it's made up in your mind, everything that is happening right now. I don't think that there is going to be a moment, like you said, you don't think that moment exists. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a constant improvement on yourself and an understanding of yourself, how you operate within the world. I think it's less of a moment of someone saying you did it, more of a realization that every person has the power within themselves to accomplish everything that they want. And I think it's more about realizing the power that every person has to achieve their goals, to get whatever it is that they want, a new car, a new house, a girlfriend, a wife, a family, whatever it is. It's it's more the realization of the power that you have. And I think that comes with life experience. And I think it comes with, you know, really an understanding of self and a, a good relationship with your mind and, and being present and really being conscious of how you're feeling, hmm. you know, every day and throughout your life and just and acknowledging, you know, true power, but it's just, everyone has it within them to get to wherever it is they want to go. And that's something that I'm still learning and learning to understand. I think that's, that's the moment that you talk about. It's the, it's the realization that you always had it in you. Hmm. And the more you understand it, the more powerful you're going to become. Talk about imposter syndrome. I think it's overcoming your ego and your ego. All your ego wants to do is either inflate your sense of self or break down your sense of self. I think it's eliminating the ego, elevating your consciousness of who you are in the world 
and your place in the world. That's, that's as deep as I'll get. Dude, <laughs> yeah. dude, that, it's so true. And you're the second guest we've had on and Mackenzie spoke a lot to being present. We're kind of starting to see a trend and I'm interested to see as this podcast grows, if this is what we're going to start seeing. And then hopefully the listeners start taking away from that. Everyone that is kind of achieving what they want is feeling like they're grinding out of their QLC, all have these similar characteristics. And that's what we're stressing to build on for everyone. The biggest word of advice I give to someone who's feeling like, you know, they're kind of lost and don't know where their life is going. You talk about correlate crisis. It's, it's the understanding that you have it within to get out of it yourself. And it's, it's all a mindset and adjusting your mindset to uh, point in the direction that you want to go. Well, thank you there. As long as you believe I love that. I, you know what? I wasn't expecting it. Honestly, I've never heard someone say that. And I've talked to a ton of people about the quarter life crisis. We usually have our guests give a call to action. Now you've given like maybe 15 in this entire episode. I don't know if you've got one left for us, Dakota, but so if you do shoot, if you don't trust me, we're okay with the 15 you already stated. But I'm going to challenge everyone who's listening to, to just start writing, start with 10 things you're thankful for. It could be things that you already have, or it could be things that you're thankful for uh, and grateful for that you'll be getting. But whatever you do, write it down as if you already have, whether you do or you don't. You have to believe whatever it is you're writing to be true and just see where that takes you. I can almost 100% guarantee that you'll be surprised uh, where it does. Well, Dakota, I can't tell you enough how thankful I am that you came on the show. Dude, I'm just shocked, Rick, at the theme that's kind of emerging from our guests on the show right now. I know I know, Mackenzie came in and she thinks that gratitude is one of the most important things that you can do in life. And now you're coming with that. And I completely did not expect that. I'm sure you didn't expect it either, yeah. Rick. I just want to say, dude, thanks a ton for coming on the show. We really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. You. you really gave us a different perspective, just the, the deeper meaning to just being like a good person and just being present. You know, we're stoked to watch you this season coming up and keep grinding. Sounds good. All right, dude, Dakota Shepley, everyone take home his challenge. He's saying, write 10 things that you're thankful for, whether you were thankful for them in the past, thankful for what's going to happen in the future. Take that challenge. Let's get it done. If you like the podcast episode today, Please subscribe and please share it with everyone else. Guys, Dakota Shepley, thanks a ton for being on with us. Thanks, boys. Here's my dish. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Quarter Life Crisis podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode and listening to us bozos talk about absolutely zero. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at theqlcguys.com, except for the fact that that's not true. There's no .com. Just do you.